The Genesis Foundation approaches its 20th anniversary and during those 20 years it's played a major role in the lives of numerous musicians, actors and artists in the UK. One of the musicians whose work has been supported by the Genesis Foundation is the conductor Harry Christophers, whose choir of the 16 he founded in 1979, and which he's built into one of the UK's finest, often performing and recording music commissioned by the Genesis Foundation. In this Genesis Foundation 20 podcast, Harry was joined in conversation by the actor, broadcaster and singer Alexander Armstrong, and they discovered they were both choristers in their youth, as Harry reveals. I was really lucky to be able to be a chorister. I mean, it, it had come out of nothing. I was born in a pub in the depths of Kent, and we just happened to move to Canterbury. My dad had a sweet shop, you know, and that, lo and behold, next thing I knew, I, was, I got into the choir school then. It was a choir, proper choir school. And music, I didn't know anything about music in those days. And uh, I still don't really, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, that's where it all started from. And I think that that is the point today where, you know, we need to be nurturing all this wonderful younger talent. The thing with the voice is that, as you know, it's just us. It's just us. We don't need to buy a clarinet or or purchase some ridiculously expensive cello. No, we don't. And we have this extraordinary thing. It's funny, I've I've got four boys, one of whom is a chorister, and he's not necessarily the best singer of the four either, but he just happened to fall in that age group. But around the time when they were kind of the press gang for New College Choir came around, he was just fell at right, the right age and got in, which was thrilling. His, uh, his immediate younger brother is at another school where they've got a school choir, you know, and at Christmas they'll stand up and maybe they'll sing, I don't know, Walking on the Air, you know, from the snowman or yes, something like yes, that. Yeah. And it'll be some rather worthy person at a piano mm-hmm. and someone could like, and it's all fine, it's yeah. fine. But it's sort of pap, really, it's fine, but it's lovely, it's, it's tuneful, but it's not especially anything. No. Whereas the one who's gone into being a chorister there's just an unbroken tradition of singing that they have there. And his singing, just by being in that environment, has just gone rip. And he That's has exactly it, isn't it? You know, you're there and you're, you're influenced by your older colleagues. You're, you're part of a, a community yeah. that's there day in, day out. You know? And this is, you know, this is special to this country. We don't, this doesn't happen anywhere, anywhere. else in the world. Yeah. And that's why it's so wonderful. You know, I mean, I, for me, I was very fortunate to get in there, but my life opened up. I'm trying to think what, what it is in the, in the tuition of choristers, particularly, that, that shapes our sort of national music curriculum, in a yeah. way. It's right at the heart of it, isn't it? It is. I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's, another, it's another lesson. It's yeah. another skill you have to do at school. But I think the principal thing with, with being a, a chorister, or anything to do with music, is that the whole creative nature of it, you know, there is an end result. There is something that is a performance. Mm. There's something that mm. people come and listen to. Yeah. And as choristers, you had to be, you had to be professionals when I you were did. when you were on yeah. that even song or, or the Sunday morning service. There's a congregation coming to listen to you, also coming to worship, but also probably coming to listen to the music, and you've got to be at the top of your game. I mean, there is that imperative, and it's quite an old-fashioned ethos, really, actually, because I dare say there was a time when academic teaching was taught with similar rigour. Mm. But, you know, you, you go into the song room, and I'm aware that our chorister son goes in and suddenly he comes up against a... a you know, the, there's... There's real discipline yeah. there. You A, you have to be on time. For God's sake, you've got to be there at yeah. five two, five minutes before the first downbeat. Absolutely. You've got to be ready. You've got to have your pencil with you. And there's no chat. 
you know, in the in the school classroom, things are things are it's very relaxed, yeah. and things have changed a great deal. I'm sure for the better Absolutely. over the last few generations. But when it comes down to the imperative of performance, there is a sort of dangerous word elitism in a way you know you've got to be absolutely as good as you can possibly be and you've got to draw out that focus yes. and in, you set a standard you set a standard yeah. for, other, uh, yeah. for, for the, the young choristers to live up to and you know the people who haven't come from music I mean most most of these choristers I think haven't come from musical backgrounds necessarily mm, no well, it's very interesting because I was I was a day boy at uh, Canterbury and and I noticed that there are Quite a few. I think New College is, is, has day boys as well. I think it's all it? day boys, it is, which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. So I mean, there is, you know, there are problems in pockets of the country when you've just got a boarding school, and of course, yeah. a lot of parents won't, yeah. won't want to send their children away at that age to require school. So, you know, I think it's very important for all the different communities to be able to have day boys as well. And yeah, um, Barry so. Rose years ago um, created something incredibly special at Guildford Cathedral. He just went out of his way to get kids from all the local schools and bring them together and created something amazing. Mm. But it's up to that person. It is. That, that it special is. person, yeah. Adam Wicks, for me, was one of those. And Alan was interesting at Canterbury because he knew exactly when to let us sort of go haywire. Yeah. And, and you know, stop the rehearsal, okay, relax, so people climbing over the benches, leaping on the things, then suddenly you're back to work and yeah. you're a professional. We had Dennis Townhill, who's our organist at mm. uh, St Mary's Edinburgh, who's just, who was lovely, just totally lovely man. I mean, I look at my own group and I look at the, the 16 and um, I, I look at, you know, the students who are coming through and it's harder in many ways, it's, it's how they get started. I mean, I think the end results, I think what in the professional world today, there are many, many more groups about singing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I started singing after I left Oxford, there was the Montevideo Choir and the Schultz Choir, and that was it. BBC Singers mm. are still, still, still there. BBC Singers are still the only professional, fully time, full paid choir in the country. Yeah. Um, but there are many other groups today, but we need to keep on filling those. <clears> and part of the, you know, our Genesis 16 is is preparing people for that professional world. But it's it's how we get hold of them early on and yeah. the choristers are very lucky and maybe they go go on to into, into their secondary schools and they have music through that and maybe they're fortunate to get a chorus college at Oxford and Cambridge that's a lot more difficult these days mm. than it was in mm. my day when mm. you know if you could sing you got in and these days you have to have amazing academic requirements yeah there are great yeah. other universities Durham York all ha all have fabulous choirs and more and more are starting yeah, yeah. but always my worry is how you grab people from an early age? How do you? Um, yes, I'm part of this uh, diamond fund for mm. choristers that we've launched through the Friends of Cathedral Music, and that is one of the things that we are, and that's a big part of our drive. And we're sort of in, we have ambitious plans. Yes. We're still in rather early days and very much in, in, in conversation with the FCMC, how, mm. we can, how we can take it at every level, actually, make yeah. sure they have proper funding. Um, because the funding is now is dwindling. It is, it is. Because it's, you know, the Anglican tradition, it's mm, how to attract mm. people from actually other faiths because you don't necessarily, you don't have to be. You don't and have to be. Practicing Anglican, or you, well, you don't have Whisper, to be. You don't have to be even religious. No. You know. But it's for everybody to be able yeah. to have but, this But you find, research. and actually, funnily enough, this is the, this is the last thing I'm going to bang on about, about choristership, because I, I'm, I'm apt to bang <laughs> on about it. But I think the moment that I almost brings tears to my eyes when I hear Paddy, our, our mm. ten-year-old, with his fellow choristers, is when they sing plain song or when they sing psalms. And it's in the singing and the phrasing of psalms that you can hear 
it's a kind of imbibed musicianship. Yeah. They've just, it's just, they've absorbed it. They've yeah. absorbed something that you can't really, you can't teach it. You can only sort of gently massage so it massage into them, it's really. really. And it's a, it's yeah. a tremendous sensitivity and maturity mm-hmm. when you hear phrasing that is just, oh, yeah. and you think, oh, that's just so it perfect. Is and it never leaves you. No, it you doesn't. Know, I mean, people who have been choristers gone into other walks of life, you know, they, they look back and, you know, they... It, these were great days. We talked about, you know, the professionalism at that age. The, yeah. have, you know, the, the you're having to perform um, incredibly well, but also have a life outside it. And I think, I, I think, you know, the world of the choristers is is such a, a special, special time. What I want to do with the Diamond Fund is to set up. I really want to have a database where we contact as many ex choristers. Mm. I would love it to be an exhaustive database, actually, where everyone who's ever sung in a cathedral choir or chapel choir is there. Just from from an interest point of view, I want to know what those who didn't go on into music went on to become, because I would stake everything I have on the outcome, showing that people who started out as choristers, even if they haven't gone on into music, whatever they've gone on to do, I'm quite certain they are way ahead of the pack, and they will all have... Not all, but you would see a, a, a trend, I'm sure, of them all being high achievers. Yes, I think they're probably I right. think just because yes. of that. We often talk about, in the classical world, we talk about how can we make music accessible to mm. A, mm. a younger generation. And actually, when I, I think about these sc- uh, schools, matinees we do, and that one particular one we did in Peterborough Cathedral, I said there was 400 kids aged between, I should say, six and twelve, five, five and twelve maybe. And that particular year's choral pilgrimage was composers uh, like Guerrero and Lobo. Now, they're not household names, let alone these are classical composers, the kids that know very little classical music. But at the end of that concert we did, which had, which had a creative element, and that's so, so important with young children, that you have to have a creative moment, the four of our guys had gone down there to work with the kids in the previous two weeks and they'd, written, and they'd made this creation uh, based on a few notes from one of the pieces but at the end of that one hour concert most of these kids were in tears most of my choir were in tears because it was just so emotional and they wanted the thing to carry on and you just hope that a, that, that a few of them will sort of realise that actually singing is, is great let's mm. go on to you know, let's, mm. let's try and do it further and, got, and, and, and hope that people in those schools or parents or whatever can get things going for them. Yeah. Well, I, in my day job, uh, where I host daytime game yep, shows, yes. <laughs> I have noticed over the last two or three years, more and more people, because my fallback question mm. for anyone, I run out of things to say, is uh, what do you do for fun? What are your hobbies? And singing has just appeared from nowhere and suddenly become a real front runner amongst people's hobbies. That's so brilliant. that's great. Community choirs, yeah. as you mentioned. So that's wonderful. Really excitingly, when I came to see the Messiah at Westminster Cathedral just before Christmas, oh, I just have to say, the most uplifting performance I've ever heard of that, because it's this sort of mixture of an ensemble made up of an army of generals, as Charlie (laughs) Hazelwood might call it, but an ensemble made up of people who are all of them soloist calibre singers. The the singing together, apart from the others, is, is, is the blend is beautiful, but the power of it, the efficiency of it, and the the fact that 
everybody. I mean, the dynamics were so... It was just exquisite. I've never felt quite so in the middle of a performance. It was just, it was Not thrilling. <laughs> um, and there was the, the Genesis 16 mm. to back up behind. How, so how does the Genesis 16 work? Well, that was alumni over the last number of years. So Genesis 16 was a creation of Eamon Dugan and myself with John Sadinsky and the Genesis Foundation. And it's now approaching its 10th year. Yeah, we, we started this whole thing because I wanted to find the next generation of, of good ensembles. Mm. I, I didn't know where they were going. Uh, you know, the days of Oxbridge today, which was basically the, this was the, you know, it was all these singers who used to come out of there into the singing profession. They were fantastic singers. Well, most of them go into big jobs in the cities. Mm. So there, there mm. are, the number of people coming through that, that sort of area now uh, is, is not, not massive at all. It's really quite, quite few. And uh, I wanted to see where these good natural voices were going. So we audition. It's a bit like classical X Factor. Mm. You know, we we audition over two hundred young singers aged between eighteen and twenty three each year, and we whittle that down to twenty two. You know, we make a big push to state schools, and it's it's fantastic. These students come from all over the country, mm. and they only have three weeks with us in a year. Uh, one week before the academic year, one week at the end of the academic year, and two long weekends within within the academic year. But it's amazing what that does. We, we, go, we, we have a very specific repertoire, very small mm. repertoire, mm. very varied, but we go into things in incredible detail. And these, these guys in the first rehearsal think, wow, hang on, we just spent an hour and a half on, on one page of music. Didn't realize there's so much to be found in Birds of Everum or something. Mm. Mm. Um, but it's, it's got a great effect. It's, it's really worked. I, I couldn't be more delighted with its, its success. If you're in Genesis 16, is that a, for a year you're in? And just a year. And yeah. do, so can you come back year. again, or no, is that no? no it's just another one year's 16 course. Comes totally in. free. And in this day and age oh, of having to pay for practically everything you do, this is totally free. But what a shove into yeah, the world! Yeah, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm I'm delighted to say, you know, we go all throughout pockets of the country and find some, you know, young person will come up and say, oh, I'm, I'm auditioning for Genesis 16 this year. Is it great? You know, you know, where did, where did you hear about music? And it's always Spotify. Because in my day, you know, of course, it was LPs or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then CDs. Now it's Spotify. And the interesting thing, you ask, you know, some of these students, you say, you know, who's your favourite singer? And there'll be silence. Or they'll say, um, Rob Murray. Oh, that's interesting. Why, Rob? What I just heard him on Spotify doing something that was really good, and uh, you know they 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 know the pieces, but they don't actually look at the singer. And you say to them, "Have you ever heard of um, of you know people we would regard as well-known singers like um, Michael George or uh, so a lot of singers from from, from sort of twenty, thirty years? Yeah. You've never heard of them." And he said, well, just try listening to you know you're a baritone. Go and listen to um, How Willing My Paternal Love by Handel. And listen to Mike George sing it, and that's how to sing it. And uh, but it, it's fascinating, and uh, yeah, but just great how there is still this excitement in this music. And I, and I feel somewhere along the line, some of us are doing something right. Um, yeah. But we've just got to keep on doing more of it because mm. we want many more people to be, be to be uh, to, to sort of come to this music and realise what a great enjoyment you have at it. Interestingly, Spotify possibly, and the world of streaming, has kind of offered us an opportunity for people who to go in and inspire. And I think there's a, my great friend Richard Osman, who's never listened to classical music in his life, has suddenly come round in this last year. And I think it's because, you know, if there's a great Pied Piper character who says, look, come with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you, yes, and you're going to, yeah. you're just throw 
all prejudices to one side and just simply enjoy this. Yes. So I think there is an opportunity there. There is, actually. there is. And I love it when, you know, when we do a, you know, a concert in our pilgrimage up and down the country and there's a, you know, somebody will come up and say, I've never heard the 16 before, but you know, that was absolutely amazing. I've never heard sacred music, I've ne- or I've never been into this cathedral. I don't come mm. into them because they're sacred places and actually you just want them to just come in, experience this fantastic music in a space that it was written for. And it, that is very, that's very exciting. I love it. You know, and you don't have to be of any faith whatsoever to, to want None to. These, at all. these are historic buildings and this is historic music. None at all. But there is a spirituality, I think, in that, in the phrasing, in a funny way. We go back to the psalm phrasing. Yeah. And I think an understanding, a sensitivity of place and what music does within an acoustic. But you've got it in one, it's spirituality, and yeah. everybody has a spiritual sense to them. Yeah. Uh, and and that, is, that is exactly what comes across and touches you in all sorts Absolutely. of ways. Absolutely. Tell me all about this lovely new music that's been commissioned. Yes. Well, I mean, we're very lucky to have this wonderful collaboration with the Genesis Foundation. Mm. Um, I mean, John Studinsky, John's a fervent Catholic uh, and, you know, wants... You know, there to be new music by younger composers coming into the, the repertoire. So one of, one of the beauties of commissioning new music via, via Genesis is that along with James at Miller, we, we sort of every year, we few years, we try and find younger composers. Mm. Um, we sometimes workshop these pieces, so we get them, we, we, we give them an idea, so be it, be it a stab at Marta, be it a, a poem of a, a Spanish mystic, and uh, they come up with drafts. We workshop these with uh, Genesis 16 with mm, the students. Mm. They have their input. Um, myself and Eamon have our input, and James, of course, has his input as a composer. And it's it's brilliant. I, and I, I feel you know, with the young composers, I mean, these are, some of them are terribly well-known, people like Matthew Martin, Tarika Reagan, Roxana Panoufde, Roddy Williams. They're all willing to have their pieces sort of dissected and you know, what, what works for singer, what doesn't quite work for singer. Is that unique? I've, not, I've never heard of that um, happening elsewhere. But I, I mean, I think unique for sort of composers that are relatively, you know, well-established. Established, yeah. um, but quite thrilling for them, I well, should yes, think, as well. Yes, yes. And, we, you know, we've had some lovely young composers, Marco Galvani, for instance, Philip Cook, um, uh, and Ruth Birchmore. And these have all been... It's been really, really interesting. Um, I mean, one of the whole things I've been sort of obsessed about with, with commissioning is that we as a group need to make sure the piece doesn't have one performance and that's, mm, and that's mm, it. So mm. many times with a commission, that's exactly what happens. It's site-specific or it's, a, it's for a particular festival or a particular yeah, theme yeah. and it doesn't have a life. Mm. And there's no point with that. And so the, the rules for these are that the piece must be accessible to good amateur choirs up and down the country. And even if you're talking about a choir like Westminster Abbey, it's got to be, be able to be rehearsed in 20 minutes. So it, you can't make it wildly difficult. That's that's this wonderful process of going through this with composers. And we're now approaching uh, something like 20 commissions. Uh, it's it's absolutely that's brilliant. And you know, we've recorded all these. Of course, the bigger pieces are work centered around James Macmillan and uh, yeah, the, yeah. the the there've been numerous unaccompanied works uh, his Miserere, for instance, was one of the best pieces I think he's ever written. Uh, Obona Jesu as well and the most recent piece he wrote for us of Virgo Prudentissima, which we toured up and down the country, we did 30 odd times throughout the UK last year. 
So that goes to show, you know, mm. we're getting this out to a much wider audience. Um, and then, of course, the big pieces have been his Stab at Marta, which I think most people would agree is, is a masterpiece of, of the modern age. And that is very, very exciting to be part of. And, you know, this has an amazing effect. It has a bubbling effect onto other young composers that are coming into yeah. the commissions that we're doing via via Genesis because they, they know that something is going to happen with their music. Yeah. Uh, and we will do it's our is to actually help them being folded into the repertoire. I think that's a really yeah. important part yes. of it. It's not and, just a one-off. And you know, I, you know, bless them. I mean, cathedral choirs up and down the country do do commission music. Mm. It, it tends to be the three-minute to four-minute long motet. We're, so we're looking for pieces a little longer. You know, yeah. more like eight to ten minutes, so that you know people can have a, a, a substantial piece to work on in, in, in program planning and concerts and yeah. things like that. So it's, you know, it's got to have a life outside the liturgy. And we've had a wonderful commission a couple of years ago, Alyssa Fiersova, a wonderful young composer, and she wrote a, one of the Stabat Martyrs we've commissioned. And uh, I safely say that piece is being performed all over the world. It's great. We performed it again back in King's Place in November, Alyssa came to that concert. She was absolutely in tears. She said, "I'm never, in t- I never, I never in tears with my own music, but this just reduced me to tears." And it, it, it was wonderful coming back to it, and, yeah. and realizing actually we can look further into this work mm. and get deeper into mm. it. And very exciting. It's you know, commissioning is always a, is always difficult. You never know what's going to come out the other end. Uh, but I think we've been pretty lucky. And uh, but I we think must. that's the association. You know, we we work with the composer. John also also. I mean, it's interesting. John Stinsky always wants to meet these composers and yes. sort of get a feel for the person yeah. which is sometimes quite daunting for them but actually yeah. uh, they come out of these meetings actually feeling quite bubbly and uh, refreshed by them rather than mm. being daunted by the prospect. A great deal of knowing and loving classical music particularly contemporary classical music is is familiarity really mm. you know and as you say you, you, you can find so much more the it better is. you get it's to somebody know. taking a piece I think it was Goretzka's third symphony that Song of Sorrows yes yeah. that came and to just uh, great public there it is and it sits proudly in the Classic yes. FM Hall of Fame yeah. and I think there's so much there's so much more to be done there um, just gently, it's all about leading people through the through the dark woods. I think it is, and actually, it is. they mustn't be they mustn't no. be put off. By I the think size what's of important though with with commissioning and and young composers in particular is it's 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 for them to very much find their own voice. Yes, not to imitate another composer. I mean, you can, you know, oh, God, oh gosh, I mean, you get yourself in deep water here because the great composers <laughs> place you yeah. as their hand or mark. <laughs> but know, still, but you know, to to find their own way through music and not come up with, you know, many composers in writing a five minute piece will come up with so many ideas mm-hmm. that actually you lose you lose a sense of where the piece is going, and that's yes. where it's up to us yeah. as yeah. as uh, yeah. as you know the, the so called experienced people to actually help them on on that journey. Yes, and we mustn't get stuck in little cul-de-sacs of pastiche. That's the thing. There's a lovely sort of. There's, I, I don't mind at all because the early 20th century church music is probably my favourite right, favourite yes. period. But um, there, there are a number of contemporary choral composers who are just who are revisiting that. Yeah, that I call it sort of pastel shade music. You know? Yes, I, it I, is. I, I want something that's a bit more. It's fine. To, I love color. the songs of farewell. Oh, gosh, <laughs> if, I, anyone, yes. if anyone wants to to just rewrite little little. Homages to that, then yes. of course I'll, 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 they're not going to upset me. But I do that's think it, it's we've got yeah. to take things forward, you know. And I think finding Jonathan Dove, for example, is oh, just wonderful. so exciting. We're doing the songs of farewell in the pilgrimage next. Are you twenty twenty one? It's my my pilgrimage program. Oh, they are yeah. so. Oh, they so, are 
absolutely your wish list wonderful yes. yeah Something I've longed to ask you. Um, why, why 16 particularly? Why 16? Oh, it was 16 singers singing 16th century Tudor church music back in 1979, and we couldn't think of a name, so, so we called it the 16. And it's perfect. And that was absolutely... It's, and now it's a brand. Really. Yeah, and it's too perfect, though, because it's just, you know, you've got four SATBs in there, mm. if you, should you want them. Actually, yeah, I've, got, got, I've got six sopranos, that's, uh, so okay. I'm numerically challenged. Okay, that's but the still. Thing. That's the thing. But you that's could, you've, got, you've got every bass covered just enough and mm. not too much. Yes, yes. I mean, it means we can go smaller, we can go larger, yeah. because there's a period orchestra as well, as you witnessed when you came yeah, to the at Westminster Cathedral. And, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's perfect size. For details about the 16's performances and recordings, visit the16.com. And for more information about the Genesis Foundation and its partners, please visit genesisfoundation.org.uk.